Good evening. It's good to be back with you after a week away. And as we get started, I just want to again thank Charles for preaching last week and faithfully delivering his word. Your service to the Lord was a blessing to my family because it enabled me to spend extra time with my family as we were on the East Coast in Florida enjoying the beach and the sun and all that God's created on that side of the country. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts. This should be no surprise to any of us if you've been with us. Uh, Tonight we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 28. As we talk about gospel partnership. If you've ever played team sports, you have probably heard the phrase, there is no I in team, or teamwork makes dream work. Now, both of these sayings, what they're doing is highlighting the importance of working together for a common cause. We see this truth play out in statements in sports, as I've just said, in team sports especially, if you are a fan of NBA basketball, you just saw the Golden State Warriors win the NBA title. Now, often when we talk about that team, we talk about Steph Curry, but more than Steph Curry won that NBA trophy. It was a collection of coaches, trainers, scouts, videographers, players, even on the bench and on the court, that all came together to win. For those who enjoyed Texas A&M baseball this year, they had a great season. And if you watch any of the games, you really couldn't pinpoint just one person in particular and say it's because of that individual that they won. Now, certainly the coaches made a difference and certain players were key to their success, but the team collectively came together and have a wonderful season. We see this if you're a fan of fiction, if particularly a Marvel fan. And if you remember, uh, they faced the villain Thanos, and it took a host of superheroes working together to defeat him. And for those who don't like Marvel and you're more of the Star Wars kind of guy, we, we, we know that the Galactic Empire, the First Order, they were defeated by what? The, the resistance, the rebels. It wasn't just Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, right? It was more to it. It took people working together to defeat the enemy, in this case, the dark side. And tonight, we will see this play out in gospel ministry, this idea of working together for a common cause, as we look at the term gospel partnership. Now, what is gospel partnership? I define it this way. Gospel partnership is an edifying, God-glorifying relationship that moves the message of the gospel forward. Gospel partnership is an edifying, God-glorifying relationship that moves the gospel forward. That word edifying, it means to build up, to instruct, to improve, spiritually speaking. And tonight we'll see three examples in our text of gospel partnership, of a meaningful relationship that built others up, but also built up the kingdom of God. 
And the big idea that I want us all to keep in mind tonight is this, is that gospel ministry is a collaborative effort. Gospel ministry is a collaborative effort, meaning you can't do it on your own. You need help, and we'll see example after that as we look at Paul and Priscilla and Aquila's relationship, as we look briefly at Priscilla and Aquila's relationship, and then we look at Priscilla and Aquila's relationship with Apollos. And so as we get started, let me first read Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 18. And after this, Paul stayed many days longer, then took leave of brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. And at Centuria, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And then they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. With the Jews. And when they asked him to stay longer, period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus. And when he had landed in Caesarea, he went and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next, to the region of Galatia, to Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, and he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, and he had instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross Achaia, the brother encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. Again, the big idea to keep in mind is this, is that gospel ministry is a collaborative effort. And as I said, we're going to examine three different gospel partnerships, three different meaningful relationships, and see how each people in this relationships, they were built up, but at the same time, the gospel moved forward. God's kingdom continued to expand. And so the first relationship that we're going to look at this evening is that of Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila. Now, often when we think of the Apostle Paul, we tend to put him on a pedestal. We tend to think of him as some spiritual giant, some sort of superhero, some other than. But what we should know by now of Paul is that he was a man, that he is flesh and blood just like me and you. But the difference between Paul and sometimes us is that he was a man that was submitted to the Spirit. And so when we are submitted to the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit, we can expect God to use us in mighty ways. may not be exactly in the way that Paul is used in his life, because God has a unique and special purpose and plan and calling on your life as well to take the gospel Maybe not to the ends of the earth the way that Paul did, but to take it in, in your Jerusalem and then go from there and from there and from there. And this can happen and it will happen when you yield and submit to the Spirit of God the way that Paul did. 
Paul was no superhero. He was a man who needed help. And we see this pattern of Paul relying on others, collaborating with others, partnering with others in the gospel very early on. In fact, before we look at our text this evening, I just want to give you a quick history. We're just going to fly over of how Paul, from the beginning, we see this partnership with others to effect change by the power of the gospel. We see this as early as his conversion in Acts chapter 9, that Paul had help in his conversion. Paul, after he was converted to Christ, he had to be led into town because he could not see. And once he was there, Ananias helped him at the end of Acts chapter 9, helped him regain his sight, fed him, gave him a place to stay until he regained his strength. At the end of Acts chapter 9, after Paul had been preaching in the synagogues, we see that disciples, they protect him when the Jews begin to get angry at Paul's new message that he is preaching. It says, at night they led him down in a basket so to be protected. We see that Paul, that he was protected and vouched for by Barnabas. When people got wind of Paul's conversion, some people were kind of skeptical about it. But Barnabas vouched for him. Barnabas spoke up for him. He said, no, you can listen to this man. I have seen, I have witnessed what this man has done. You can trust him. We can help him and we should. Again, we see Christians protecting Paul at the end of Acts 9 and, and they, when they send him on to Caesarea. Again, Paul is helped by Barnabas with his ministry at Antioch where he spent a year discipling others. It wasn't Paul doing it. Paul did it with the assistance of others. We see this at the church of Antioch when Paul is set apart for his first missionary journey. Paul just didn't say, hey, I think I want to go do this. The church prayed and as they were gathered, as they were fasting and as they were praying, they set apart Barnabas and Paul for the work of the ministry. Barnabas traveled with Paul on this first missionary journey, which we read about in Acts 13 through 15. Silas then joined Paul on a second missionary journey in Acts 15. Timothy also joined the team on this missionary journey. And then Paul, he even enjoyed the hospitality and comfort of Lydia. And then we see this again from the Philippian jailer and his family. After they are saved, they bring him in. They, they heal him of his wounds. They give him a place to stay. They, they feed him. They protect him. We see this again with Jason in Acts chapter 17, the hospitality that's extended to Paul. We see Paul's, again, continued protection when he's in Berea that he sent out immediately at night so the Jews could not find him so he could continue on with his gospel ministry. And then last week, we see how Priscilla and Aquila assisted Paul in the work of the ministry. Again, do you see this pattern of Paul working and collaborating and partnering with others? Paul had help. He didn't do this on his own. There was nothing about his ministry from its beginning until its ending that he didn't have help. And even when he was in prison, you remember the passage of Scripture that I read at the beginning of the service, that they were separated from each other. Paul had others on his mind. He was reminding them of their partnership in the gospel. And Paul, he's really stressing this to the Philippian church then because they were distressed because they loved Paul. 
But he's saying, hey, you're an encouragement to me as I think about the relationship that we have together. And we, we see this with, in our text here this evening as we look at Priscilla and Aquila. As we look at this text, we see how Paul and the church as a whole benefited from this gospel partnership. From this edifying, God-glorifying relationship that was moving the gospel forward. Notice again, back up in verse eight, beginning in verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer. Then he took leave of brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. He took them with them. He needed help. And at Centuria, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. This is probably the, a Nazarite vow for something. The text really doesn't tell us why, but we can probably assume that that's what's going on here. And when they got to Ephesus, he left them there. And he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay longer, he declined. But on taking leave them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. Then he set sail for Ephesus. Now remember, even though He's leaving Priscilla and Aquila behind. We know that Dr. Luke is still with him because Dr. Luke is the author of this book. He's the one who's recording everything that's happening. And when he landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. And after spending some time there, he departed and he went from one place to the next, the region from Galatia to Ferga, strengthening all the disciples. So what can we take from this relationship, this gospel partnership that Charles introduced to us last week in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. What, what can we take from Paul's, how he benefited, how the church benefited? What do we see here? One, I want you again to notice Paul's pattern for ministry. And all the examples that I gave you in here, Paul continues to work with others. He takes Priscilla and Aquila with him, and when he leaves, he still has Dr. Luke with him. Paul, when he leaves, he entrusts Priscilla and Aquila at Ephesus. The ministry continues even though Paul is leaving. It doesn't stop just because Paul's not there any longer, right? He trusted for, for the work of the ministry to continue. And notice what it, Paul says when people are wanting him to stay. Paul, he trusts in God's sovereignty. If God wills, I will return to you. He doesn't make a guarantee that he will return, but it, he says, if God wills. He trusts God's plan. He trusts God's spirit. Again, friends, may I remind you that Though there are pastors and elders in the church, we are filled with the same spirit that you are. And you can do the work of the ministry just like we can. We have a great example of that last week. I wasn't here, but guess what? The ministry of God continued. Right? We gather together here to worship the Lord, to remember how good and great he is. But then we leave. But I, I don't stay up late at night worrying and wondering, man, are, are you guys going to do the work? I, I trust God to do the work through you. It, it, it does me no good to worry and to wonder, is it going to happen? Is it not? Because if you 
or in Christ, and his spirit is in you, and you're listening to his words, this is going to register with you. And you're going to do something with this because God's people respond to his word. This is just not to have our ears tickled and to hear some information and then go on with the rest of our day. We, we gather together as God's people because we know we need him. We know there's areas in our life that need to change. We're no, we know that we're not as faithful as we should be. But even when we're not faithful, he is faithful. And that's good news. This is the confidence that Paul had. Because the, the success of the ministry that was happening, it wasn't dependent upon him. He could leave town and it could still happen. Again, this is just reminding us of this big thing that we see throughout the book of Acts that God is always at work through a people who are willfully submitting and yielding to him. We see this in Paul's pattern. We see this in how he entrusts Priscilla and Aquila. And we see the result of that. Because Paul didn't take himself too seriously. He said, man, I got to stay here. I got to make sure everything's going to be under control. Because he trusted those. It freed him up to, to, to expand and to do ministry. It freed him up to, to go to the synagogues. It freed him up to, to get on a ship and, and to sail to Ephesus. And notice what he did when he was there. He went from place to place, meeting with people in the region of Galatia and Fierga. And it says it strengthened the disciples. It was a good thing that Paul went. Because it expanded the kingdom. And God was still working there, though Paul was not there. Again, this is a good reminder for us all of who and what builds God's church. God works through his people, but God is ultimately responsible for building the church. And he does throw through people who are submitted to his spirit and who faithfully preach his word. Again, the theme that we see all throughout the book of Acts. God's church grew because God's spirit was submitted to by his people and they faithfully proclaimed his word and the church grew. There wasn't any one individual that you could point to and say, oh yeah, it was all because of Paul. That Paul's name is mentioned a lot in the back half of the book of Acts. As I've already said to you, you see how Paul relied and partnered with others. And at the beginning of Acts, we saw it, it wasn't just Peter. It just wasn't John. It was a host of people. It was Stephen. And Stephen wasn't even uh, an elder. He wasn't a disciple. He wasn't one of the 12, one of the chosen, one of the OGs. But God used him. Why? Because he was submitted to his spirit. And Stephen's life and his death, it, it's, it spread the gospel 
to places it had not been before. This is, we see this partnership with Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila. The church is strengthened by working together. Why? Because Paul couldn't be in two places at once. Because he trusted his his counterparts, they continued the work in Paul's absence. This is what happens. The ministry continues. When Paul is writing to these churches while he's in prison, he's writing to brothers and sisters that he's partners with in the gospel. He's telling them to keep on going, to keep doing the work of the ministry. And the reason we can do that is because who is with us and who is in us. We also see this in the partnership between Priscilla and Aquila. Now, when you look at Priscilla and Aquila, you'll notice several things. That their names, they are always mentioned together. Uh, They're a husband and wife. They're a team. They embody for us here in this text, chapter 18, of how a couple should seek to work together and help one another. They, they model for us God's design all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 when God said this, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And this is what we see play out in Acts 18 and other places in Scripture. This couple who work together as a team, they have a partnership. They help one another. They're, a, they're one flesh, as Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says. Again, this is why it's so important to be equally yoked in your marriage relationship. Priscilla and Aquila, they model for us the importance of being equally yoked. Something that Paul addresses in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 when he says, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what, fel- or what fellowship has light with darkness? What does it mean to be unequally yoked? Now, this term may be kind of somewhat lost on us today, but a yoke was a wooden bar that would join two oxen together. And they were given the task to to pull something. Uh, And to be unequally yoked would mean that you would have maybe one stronger oxen and one weaker oxen, one small, smaller oxen, one bigger one, uh, one taller one, one shorter one. And if if, if they were unequal... Uh, they were not going to be able to perform the task necessary. It was important for the oxen to be equally yoked so they could finish the task. And and for a married couple, we we see the importance of that in God's kingdom plan, that that marriage isn't about you and your partner, though that's a huge part of it. That God wants to use your marriage relationship, not just to mature and to change you, because he's going to do that. But he wants 
to use that relationship. He wants you to see it exactly as this scripture describes it, as a one plus relationship. You are a team and you are to work together. And we see Priscilla and Aquila, they model this for us. They help one another out. They're always mentioned together. In the scripture, they're mentioned six different times. We see that they work together in tent making, but also in the gospel ministry. And we see that they endure hardship together. Paul says in Romans chapter 16 that they risked their necks for his life. To whom not only I give thanks, but he said also the churches of the Gentiles should give thanks as well. Paul benefited from this partnership. The churches benefited from this partnership. Imagine if these two were unequally yoked, right? They would be going in opposite directions. They wouldn't be moving together. They, they probably wouldn't be mentioned in the scripture the way that they are. They would not have had the effect on Paul's life and on many Gentile churches had they not been equally yoked, had they not been on the same page. It's a good thing for husbands and wives to remember. Yes, God has given certain roles and responsibilities to the husband and wives, but your team, you, you work together. One is not superior and one inferior. God has graced both the husband and wife with unique and necessary gifts that complement one another and work well together. And we see a model of this here in the marriage and life of Priscilla and Aquila. And again, for those yet waiting to be married, the, the, really the only prerequisite for getting married is, are they Christian? If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, do they believe in Jesus? Now, there's certainly other things. We're not going to get into all of that because this is not what this message is about. But this is vitally important. Because you won't have the same priorities. You won't have the same passions. You won't be going in the same direction. You need somebody on your side. You need somebody to work with you. And this is what your spouse does. This is what Priscilla and Aquila did for one another. And because they're in harmony with one another, because they work together, because they endured together through hardship, God used them. And Paul thanked them for the work they did and for the churches of the Gentiles. And Paul, even on his deathbed, getting ready to depart from this earth, perhaps some 15, 16 years later, 
He, he told Timothy, hey, make sure you make time and you greet Priscilla and Aquila. Paul benefited, the church benefited, and we know that Timothy perhaps would benefit later because of this husband and wife team who worked together, who were on mission together. Lastly, I want us to see this gospel partnership, this edifying, God-glorifying relationship between Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila. In verse 24, we're introduced to Apollos, and it says that he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, and that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke into correctly the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only of the baptism of John. And it said that he spoke boldly in the synagogue. So here we have this man, sharp man, great communicator, very zealous, very passionate, very bold. Commands the attention of others when he speaks. We can certainly say from these first couple of verses concerning Apollos, that Apollos, he was a gifted man. But at the end of verse 26, we see this. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Apollos, he was a very gifted man. But in this instance, we are reminded that he still needed to grow. As gifted as he was, as eloquent as he was, as fervent as he was, as passionate as he was, there was still room for growth. And I appreciate the way that Priscilla and Aquila, they go about it. Again, it says that Apollos was speaking and teaching accurately what he knew concerning the things of Jesus in the Ephesian synagogue. But he did not know about the Christian baptism. Now, keep in mind, we're probably in a very unique time in the history of the church. Baptism, Christian baptism is a relatively new thing here. And so it's possible that Apollos, he just hadn't been made aware of this. He hadn't been taught this. He hadn't been discipled in this. And so Priscilla and Aquila, what do they do? They pull him aside privately, and they explain to him the way of God more accurately. They didn't see, first, Priscilla and Aquila, they didn't see Apollos as like an enemy. They saw him as a brother. And so they pulled him aside. But at the same time, keep in mind, Apollos, as we can see in this text, he's a pretty bright individual, pretty sharp individual. And Priscilla and Aquila, they're tent makers. But what we learn from Apollos in this text is that evidently he listened to them. He didn't dismiss them. He took to heart what they were saying. 
and he put it into practice and it made a big difference in his life and in his ministry. And it had a powerful uh, effect. At the end of chapter 18, it says that he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. And it was all because Priscilla and Aquila, they, they took the time. They invested, they poured into, they discipled, they, they, they took notice. They didn't see him as an enemy. They, see, they saw him as part of the family, somebody who, who just needed help, who needed a better understanding uh, of the difference between the baptism of John versus the Christian baptism. The baptism of John, which we read about in the Gospels, uh, is a baptism of repentance. Now, the Christian baptism certainly is a baptism of repentance as well, but the Christian baptism is also identifying with Jesus, our union with Jesus. And the Christian baptism was to replace this baptism. John even speaks to that in his Gospels. But also, in it, with when you... With the Christian baptism, it's not just the, the baptism of the waters that we experience. Is that when you believe and you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there's a new work, there's a new power within you. Something that God gives to you by his grace. It's not something that we can, if we do things right, then the Spirit's going to fall in us. And on us, the, the indwelling of the Spirit is a fruit that comes from our faith in Christ. And we see once Apollos got it, he became a great help to all those around him. Paulus, he was a man who was gifted, but he needed to grow. And by God's grace, he sent them Priscilla and Aquila. And we see that Paulus became more effective servant of the Lord. So what do we take away from this? We have Paul, and we see how he partnered with all these people, specifically how he partnered with Priscilla and Aquila. We see Priscilla and Aquila and their relationship and how they partner together. And then we see Apollos and how he benefited from the relationship that he had with Priscilla and Aquila. What do we take away from this? A question that we have on the screen already is this, is how can I grow as a gospel partner? Again, one thing that I said at the beginning of the service is that we all need help. And that's an attitude that we must take. And it's true. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 tells us to have the mind of Christ. Romans 12 verse 3 tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Every Christian needs help 
from someone. You see this modeled all throughout the end of this chapter. Paul's ministry. Again, it begins with Jesus. It's empowered by the Spirit. But he has assistance all along the way with others. We need help as well. We, we can't do the ministry that God has called us to on our own. We certainly can't do it without a spirit. We need a spirit. But God has called us into relationship with one another. To do it together. This is why we do things like community group to emphasize the importance of togetherness, of being a family. This is why it's important to gather together with God's people week after week after week. We need to be reminded that we need help. And our help, our ultimate help comes from Jesus. But God has gifted and graced us with help in all of these seats that we have as we walk through this life together. That's why we receive people the way we do into our church. We do it up front. And everybody participates in somebody becoming a part of our church family. That's why we do child dedications the way that we do. It's just not about the mom and dad or they have the main responsibility. You play a part as well in the growing up of the children in this church. By your example, by how you interact, what you say, what you don't say. We need help. Every Christian needs help. This is, we become a better gospel partner when we check our attitude, then we also, we check our actions. Yeah, we know we need to be a good gospel partner. We know we need to help others, but how are we doing it? What are we doing? Again, from this text, you can partner with your spouse. Those little people that live with you, they're an important responsibility, and they are a ministry in and of itself. Your family, your roommates, your community group, these are all opportunities to work together, to do ministry together. We pray for our gospel partners. Again, I remind you that we've been blessed to send people from this church body, Megan, Rahelio, and Colby who are campus missionaries at different colleges throughout this state. We just sent the Lloyds back to Thailand for a season. We just sent a care package to the Gay Hearts. These are our gospel partners. And friends, that package, whether you realize it or not, was a blessing. It reminded them that they're not all alone across the globe doing this work. 
We do it through our church relationships that we have with people like Grace, but also with all other churches in this town that are faithfully following and proclaiming Jesus. We are on the same team. This is not a competition. Then I was thinking about this evening as I was looking over our announcement slide, and it's very fitting and just like God, because he knows what he's doing, uh, you'll see on our information guide, we have an opportunity to collaborate and partner with our Hope Kids ministry as they are collecting and filling baby bottles with change to support Hope Pregnancy Center to make ultrasounds more affordable. And we'll have the opportunity to come alongside them and help them. It's very fitting, especially what's happened in our country in this last week with Roe versus Wade being overturned. And we should celebrate that. We should be excited about that. But may we not just celebrate. May we actively engage. And this is just a small way that we can begin to engage together. This is what God has left the church here for, that we rally together to stamp out darkness. You can't do this individually, right? God has not called you to be a secret agent, to go rogue or to be solo. I mean, even Jesus, who was perfect and who was God, he didn't go rogue. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And if Jesus was willing to submit in that way, we must be too. To to only do what the Father is leading him to do, directing him to do. Living hope, God has called us uh, to be gospel partners here, but also with those outside of Living Hope Bryant, with other churches, with other like-minded organizations. So I would encourage you uh, this summer as a time, as a lot of, a lot of, there was a lot of downtime in, in the summer. There was lots of time where we have time to get away, where we go on vacations or we get away from our normal places that we gather, that we frequent. And sometimes it's good to get away for a little bit, even a week, just to have a a change of scenery and not be so just caught in the fray of activity. And I I would ask you, when you have those opportunities, when you have those moments, whenever they are, that you would consider, how can I be a better partner in the gospel? May, May we check our attitudes, may we check our actions and as God's spirit speaks to you, I pray that you would respond, whatever he's encouraging you to do. If you want to learn more about who some of our gospel partners are, who some of the organizations that we're working with, talk to any one of the elders. We have all sorts of opportunities in this town, unique opportunities to work with other Christ-exalting, gospel-believing ministries and churches, and we can work together together to infect change in this community and beyond.
And we should do that. Let's pray. Lord, this change that we seek, that we hope for, that we want to see in our own lives, in our church, in our community, in our marriages, in our families, Lord, and in our relationships in general, Lord, it it begins with knowing Christ and submitting to him. Lord, so again, if there be people here tonight without Christ, Lord, who don't have a relationship with Christ, they know who you are, but are not yielded to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you, by your spirit, by your power, that you would bring them to a place of just conviction and of clarity, Lord, that they need you more than anything, that you are the greatest treasure. Help them to see the seriousness and the severity of their sin. Help them to see the sweetness of your grace and your forgiveness and mercy and to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And Lord, for us who are in Christ, God, may we pay attention to this example that we have in the scripture of Paul and of Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos, people who had meaningful, impactful relationships with others, edifying relationships. God, glorifying relationships. Lord, help us to be that kind of people, to care that deeply about one another that way that we would be willing to do things like Priscilla and Aquila, make time, take time to meet and speak with others and to help. Lord, there's lots of people that need help. And we have the right help to offer. Help that will last. Help that will bring joy. Help that will bring, break strongholds. Help that has conquered sin, death, and the enemy who seeks to deceive, kill, and destroy. God, help us to be a competent people, a joyful people, ready to go to work for you. We love you. We praise your name in Christ's name. Amen. Church family, I encourage you to respond as God's spirit speaks to you.